Hey, hey, everyone. This is Prashant, and I'll be your host for this section of the Mailman podcast called 321 with Mailman. To quickly talk about the format, the guest will be required to share three ideas or books they live by, two people they look up to, and one productivity trick they find super helpful in their everyday lives. For those of you who do not know about Mailman, Mailman is a simple Gmail plugin that sits on top of your existing inbox and delivers your emails in batches, at times pre-selected by you. With Mailman, you get complete control of when and what emails land in your inbox. Hence, minimizing distractions, facilitating deep work, and making inbox zero an everyday reality. You can start a free trial at mailmanhq.com. That is M-A-I-L-M-A-N-H-Q.com. You will find this link in the description below. Today, we have Anne Laurie with us. Anne Laurie is an entrepreneur, an ex-Googler, and a PhD student in neuroscience at King's College London. She is the founder of Nest Labs, a community of curious humans who want to achieve more without sacrificing their mental health. She is also vocal about mental wellness in the workplace. Anne, we're so glad. And Laura, we are so, so glad to have you here with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. So now let's jump straight into our exciting format. So the number one question that I have for you today is, what are the three ideas or books that you live by and why? Okay, um, I guess... One of my favorite books ever that has that had a really big impact on me and the way I work, I live, and I think is Labyrinth by Borges. Uh, it's basically a collection of short stories and essays. And um, I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to tell you exactly what it's about. But my favorite one, in case you get the book, is The Garden of Forking Path. Um, if you're interested in the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, you're going to like it. And I think actually, even if you don't, you're going to enjoy it. It's very well written. It's always fun. It always makes you think. And every single story is different. So there's really, I think, no other book that has inspired me as much as this one when it comes to practicing network thinking, paying attention to emerging patterns, and connecting the dots in new creative ways. Really recommend it. Another one that I really enjoyed is called How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. It's much more recent, and I actually bought it when I started my master's in neuroscience in 2018. And it's the book that introduced me to the science of psychedelics. It's very, very well written and it changed my perspective on the world. So I also recommend reading it, whether you have any knowledge of psychedelics or not. And even if you don't feel like you're interested in it, it has a lot of very interesting information about how the brain works in general. And another one, I wouldn't say that this is a book I live by, but it's a book I read recently and I found it really fascinating. I still need a little bit more time to digest it properly, but it's called Transcendence by Gaia Vince. And it has a very compelling narrative describing how our evolution was shaped not only by genetic and environmental factors, but also by cultural factors. It's very inspiring and I also recommend it. Great. Those are three amazing book recommendations. So I would like to uh, touch up with you on this one point that you, this one book that you mentioned, How to Change Your Mind uh, by Michael Pollan. And since you are a neuroscience student as well, uh, and also running a community around productivity, I want to understand from you, how do you think can psychedelics 
shape our future? Or do you think, because it's it's kind of a controversial topic these days, as some people support it and some people don't support it. Uh, what's, what's your view on it, being a student in it, so you know the science behind it and won't, you know, share just your own opinion or views on it. So you can back your opinion with science as well. So would like to hear you on that. I want to preface this by saying that I am absolutely not an expert in psychedelics. I'm interested in them, but that's not my focus of study in neuroscience. Uh, in terms of how I think uh, they will impact the world, um, I think first we need a lot more evidence uh, because of political reasons. We have basically stopped most of the research on psychedelics for about 50 or 60 years, which is a shame. And a good thing is that right now we have labs that are reopening, funding that is flowing again into psychedelics research. Uh, we have actually lots of really good research here in London where I'm based. So I would say the first step before making grand plans about what is going, to, how it's going to impact the world is just to conduct more research, which is happening right now and is great. And um, I think uh, we are going to see that psychedelics can be applied in many different areas of life. There's obviously the medical aspect, uh, lots of research in terms of supporting people with cancer, for example, because their mental health is badly impacted very often and psychedelics have been shown to help. But there's also um, research done in psychotherapy, helping couples communicate better, helping individual unlock some of the personal challenges that they've been battling with sometimes for years. Um, and another area that I think is interesting is a, a more, a, a less clinical one where some people have been experimenting as well with microdosing to have more creativity or more productivity. There's very little research in that area. So I don't want to be too specific because I genuinely don't know, but that's also an area that I think is interesting. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Definitely adds more perspective there. Uh, so my next question for you is, who are the two people that you look up to the most and why? In terms of work, I would say Stephen Hawking, who's unfortunately not with us anymore. But I admire him not only for his extraordinary work and his persistence in life, but also for his amazing ability to distill scientific research in simple terms that anyone can understand. This is something I'm trying to do with my work. And I am amazed at the way he did it. He, you know, he studied physics of the most complex type. And when I started to read A Brief History of Time when I was a little kid, uh, I was amazed at how I could understand these concepts. So this is something I really admire in his work. So that would be someone I admire for work. And then another person I deeply admire is my mom. <laughs> I know it may be a little bit unconventional, but I admire her for everything she has achieved, despite the fact that she really came, she didn't have any help her whole life. And uh, she came a very long way. And I am grateful for her always telling me that I can become whoever I want to become. And that my only limitations are caused by my imposter syndrome, not by inherent limitations. So she would be the second person I look up to. Yeah, so those are two amazing people that you mentioned. And I always love it when uh, people mention the people who are very close to them uh, as the people that they look up to. Uh, because I feel that everyone should have two kinds of people they look up to. One who is far away from them and is big in life already or did something amazing. And one who's very close to you and is amazing in their own way, right? And that's that's your mother for you. 
So great that you have these two people, the one one person in your life, another one isn't there anymore. But I appreciate that. Okay, so the last question that I have for you today is, and this one is the most, I'm the most excited to ask you since you are uh, working in the productivity space with the community that you're building. So what's the number one productivity trick that you find super helpful? Yeah, I guess uh, since you work with Melman, it's actually, this one is actually relevant to you, but I regularly review my calendar and I email people to ask if we can do this over email instead. I find that I have a lot of, meetings I was going to say useless meetings they're not useless in terms of the content because very often it's important content that needs to be discussed but the format of the meeting uh, is often not the right one and people kind of tend to default to a meeting when they want to discuss something I personally love writing this is probably my most efficient mode of working so my uh, personal productivity strategy that I, you know, I'm not saying it would work for absolutely everyone, but for people who like writing, who like having the time to digest and think about processes and projects without necessarily being put straight on the spot and having to be an answer. And for people who enjoy asynchronous communication, I highly recommend doing this thing that I do, which is turning any potential meeting that could work in that format uh, into an email conversation. Yeah, this is incredible. And this is actually something that we practice very deeply at Mailman. So Mailman is actually a completely asynchronous organizations, organization and we work completely asynchronously. That is, everything happens on email. We don't even have a Slack app or something like that. So everything happens on email and we feel that email is much better for asynchronous communication than this real-time software like Slack because they're always having notifications and things like that. So we do all of our conversations over email and we have minimal to no meetings whatsoever. So most of the conversations happen in writing, like you said. So it's definitely a great productivity trick and is somewhat the future of work. That if you want to progress in work in the future, then you need to be good at writing and you need to be able to communicate via writing because it saves, saves time for, for, for everyone involved. You know, if there's someone that you want to communicate with, you can simply write something up. Or if you want to say it over video, you can record a Loom video and then send it over to them and they can view it at their own time. So this is just more convenient for everyone. So everyone is working on their own time and everyone is more productive. There are less distractions. So that, that's a happy world. So mm -hmm. thanks for sharing that one. Uh, so lastly, I would like to get your views on toxic productivity. Because when you when I went through your website of Nest Labs, I saw that uh, it's a community built against toxic productivity and for you know mindfulness and things like that. So how, how do you differentiate between what is toxic productivity and what is good good productivity? Um, so toxic productivity, I think, is pretty easy to to spot. It um, it claims to give you um, magic bullets that you can apply straight away, little hacks that are going to and you more productive. Uh, it also pushes you to try to achieve impossible goals, like doing all of your work for the week in only a few hours, which for most people is not possible. In terms of how it makes you feel, very often toxic productivity makes you feel bad about yourself because when you read it, you think, wow, how can this person manage to do all of this? How come I can't do all of this? oh, the problem must be me. Uh, instead of acknowledging the fact that we are all different, our circumstances are different, and even our levels of productivity can be different throughout life, throughout the day, depending on the external pressures that we have, depending on our current mental health. There's so many factors that giving people 
a one-size-fits-all framework and telling them that if they don't manage to apply it, the problem must be with them, to me, is toxic. And so that's what toxic productivity is. In terms of what mindful productivity, it's the complete opposite. It's about embracing the chaos that we have in life, knowing that we won't always be able to be at our maximum levels of productivity. And it's about applying evidence-based strategies to manage those situations that can be a little bit tricky sometimes without ever blaming ourselves. So it's a kinder, more realistic approach to productivity. Great. That was a good differentiator for everyone to understand. And it's a great note to end this episode on. So lastly, I would like to ask you and Laurie, what would be the best way for our audience to reach you and follow your journey? I think the best way would be to go to my website, the Nest Labs website. So people can go to nestlabs.com slash newsletter. This is where I send every week an email to everyone who subscribes with mindful productivity tips and where I share my journey studying neuroscience as a PhD student. Great. I'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes below so, so that our audience can easily access it. Thank you so much for doing this with us. And Laurie, it was an absolute pleasure hosting you.